All right, well, if you brought your Bibles or your phones or um, whatever you brought to access the Word, uh, we're going to be in um, I want to go to James uh, and then also Second Peter and then we'll also be in Luke. So James chapter 4, we'll start off with James chapter 4 and verse 6. James chapter 4 verse 6. All right, James chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives more grace. That's good news, right? <laughs> he gives more grace. Uh, wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. But he gives more grace, verse 6, uh, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so, if you want to access the grace of God, it requires humility. And if you want to access the presence of God, it requires humility. Um, I'd never read um, Ian Bounds' comments concerning humility uh, until I was preparing for this. But uh, if you've heard me teach on prayer very much, uh, you know that one of the keys that the Lord uh, gave me concerning prayer is humility. It is come uh, humbly, come honestly, and um, come in faith. And that's how you get into the presence of God. You have to come humbly, you have to come openly and honestly. And um, I know in my own prayer life, relationship with the Lord, uh, those keys have been vital to my getting into the presence of God. In other words, um, prayer is, I like how Dad Hagen, Brother Hagen used to say it, prayer is not gimme, 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 gimme. Right? So a lot of people have an idea of prayer is just like, okay, Lord, I need this, I need that. And so they, he, he would phrase it, prayer is not just gimme, 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 gimme. Like, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? But prayer is actually fellowshipping with your Heavenly Father. Oh, please come here. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, prayer is fellowshipping with your heavenly Father. So you have an earthly father. Um, whether you ever knew them or not, you have an earthly father. And uh, you may not have wanted to come and be close to them. Uh, but your heavenly Father, He loves you with an unending love. And the way He sees you, He doesn't see you the way you even see yourself. He sees you... Uh, perfected in Christ Jesus. So when he sees you and he sees you hesitant to come before him, you know, he's probably kind of puzzled, although he knows all things, so he understands. But, you know, the blood of Jesus, which we've been uh, studying on Sundays, the blood of Jesus is what gives us access into his very presence. But if you don't come humbly before the Lord, uh, you're not going to come by the blood. So really, if you're coming by the blood, you're coming humbly because you're saying, okay, Lord, look at what Jesus has done. So I want to read uh, a couple quotes from, probably more than a couple quotes, uh, from Ian Bounds concerning humility uh, and pride. 
and uh, just to give it more uh, flavor and more uh, color. Prayer has no beginning and no uh, ending and no being without humility. Humility is born by looking at God and His holiness and looking at self and man's unholiness. Okay, so when he's saying this, uh, you understand like if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But apart from Christ, you know, Jesus said, actually, apart from me, you can do what? How much? Nothing. So if, you're, if your connection to God is severed or um, you could actually have the greater one living on the inside of you. So if you're a believer, greater is he that, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you have the greater one living on the inside of you. But it's a great tragedy to have the greater one living on the inside of you and ignore him and not be conscious of his presence on the inside of you. And so this is why when I was in a church in uh, Augusta, Georgia, great church, but we were praying for a revival and this one guy, I remember his name, but I'm not going to say it, but um, man, he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. But he approached the Lord through who he was after the flesh. So he would pray, oh Lord, just beg, like beg God, please send revival, send revival, please send revival. I know we're just, what do you say, pond scum. But please send revival. Well, uh, was he right or was he wrong? Well, man is a three-part being. Man is a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. But if we um, try to come to God based on who we are in the flesh or based on uh, mental reasonings, then you don't get to God. Because the only way is by the blood. And when you come by the blood, you're actually accessing the power and presence of God Himself. Hey, Because you come by the blood. So when Ian Bounds is saying like, you know, uh, you're looking at God's holiness, not your holiness. He's not talking about your holiness that you are in union with Christ. He's saying you're looking at like well, uh, you know, it's a Wednesday night and I came to Wednesday night service, so therefore God will listen to my prayer. I mean, the only way that has anything to do with the Lord is if you responded to what He said. Or you honor the things of God, you're hungry for the things of God. But you didn't like, that does not produce in you more favor with God Himself. So when we come to God, if we're, gonna, if we're going to experience His person, we have to come humbly. So, when I come to the presence of the Lord, um, I even lay my agenda aside. Like, I may have, like, things that are heavy on my heart that I want to pray about. But man, first thing, I'm putting those aside because the Lord knows uh, what things I have need of. But I still need to ask Him. But I want to ask Him, you ever know, like, if you pray, but it's not a prayer of faith, you actually don't get results if you're, if you're endeavoring to pray the prayer of faith. Right? So there's different kinds of prayer. You know, uh, the prayer that most people get confused with the other types of prayer. Well, well, really, people most often 
confuse the prayer of consecration and dedication with the prayer of faith. So the prayer of faith is the prayer to receive things, receive something from God. So I'm going to pray the prayer of faith concerning healing. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith concerning financial provision. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith concerning uh, relationships. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith uh, concerning many things. But uh, I'm not going to say, Lord, if it be your will, if I'm praying the prayer of faith. Like so for healing is, a, is a, just a vivid example. If you pray, Lord, if it be your will, heal me or heal them, you're not praying in line with the Word of God. Well, faith comes from the Word of God. So like, uh, the Lord's not going to answer that prayer because it's an unscriptural prayer because we already know in the Word that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus, that healing is the will of God. So we don't have to wonder, is it your will? If we don't know it's, it's the will of God, then we just find out in the Word what the Word says about it. Uh, and then faith is present whenever you hear God concerning that subject. So, like I said in the faith series, you can read the Word of God concerning, well, let's just stick on healing. You can read the Word of God concerning healing. You know, 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. Well, if you just read it, uh, God is not a mind. But if you read it just mentally, uh, there is no power in that Scripture. Because faith does not come through mental reasoning. Faith is of the heart. With the heart man believes, and with the mouth confessions made unto. So if you're going to act in faith, if you're going to pray in faith, if you're going to speak in faith, it has to come from your heart. So faith is of the heart. And um, so 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. If you don't receive that in your heart, but just your head, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to receive healing. And you're going to be wondering why. And if this is really true, how come I don't have this? But faith is of the heart, not the head. And uh, Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, or by the Lord speaking to you. It's literally, it's the word rhema, and it means the spoken Word of God, or the revealed Word of God. Or in other words, it's something God does. It's not something you do. It's something He does. So He reveals Himself through His words. So, you know, what it is is, you're reading the Word, or somebody's ministering the Word, you, you hear the Word through your ears, and then it, it comes alive to you, and you see it, and you know that you have that, you know that faith has come, because it has such substance that your mind might like be like, what? I don't quite get that. But your spirit is like, yes, that's right. Now, if you have not developed uh, your spirit very much, your unrenewed mind will actually put the light out. The light came, the Holy Spirit brought the light, but mental reasoning, because your mind has not been transformed with the Word of God in that area, for instance, I'm giving a for instance, will actually take that light that God turned on and turn it off. Yes, but if that's true, how come I still see this in my body? I remember Brother Hagin ministered to this lady, and she was uh, in a wheelchair, and um, he was ministering to her, and uh, he said, did you know that you are healed? She said, I am. She's still sitting in the chair, hadn't got up. And he, and he said, yes, you are. And he said, I want you right now, 
because he, he could have uh, said, uh, get up. But he wanted her to have her healing and keep her healing. So he actually said, let's just, he said, he said this, he said, before the devil could come in her mind and say, if you are healed, then why are you still sitting in this chair? He said, I wanted to get to her before that devil had the chance to get that thought firmly planted in her head. He said, I said to her, if, then let's praise the Lord together because you are healed. What happened? Well, uh, confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. So, in other words, what you speak, your faith speaking, actually uh, creates the substance for faith to carry what it has with it, the grace of God. You know, in this case, we're talking about the grace of God concerning healing. So, so she said, Lord, I want to thank you that I am healed. She still had not gotten up. Uh, she, she, she said, you know, Lord, how tired I was of sitting in this chair for all these years. I'm so glad I don't have to be in this chair. I'm so thankful that you healed me. So she's like, what's she doing? Well, this is a real clue as you minister uh, to other people and to yourself concerning uh, anything that God promised you in His Word. And that is this. You have that spark of reality, the witness of the Spirit on the inside that, yes, that's right. If you ignore that and you don't go after that, it'd be like you have like, if we were at a nice little circle here, oval thing, and we had a campfire here and it started to like dwindle down. And maybe it was almost dwindled down. My, my father-in-law was at our house and he's burning this stump for us. And the thing burned for like days, you know. But those things, you start a fire, well, those coals can burn down. And so you don't even see that there's anything hot there. But if you put your hand over it, there's actually some heat. And if you take and you blow it, all of a sudden those white ashes, underneath those ashes, it'll start to turn red. And the more you blow, then the hotter it gets. And then that little just embers can actually become like a raging fire with the wind on it. So when you have that witness in your spirit of the, that's your spirit, the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit, uh, that yes, this is, this is life, this is real, then you allow the Spirit of God to blow on that and you focus in on that because um, otherwise what will happen, you ever heard somebody say this, I thought I was healed. I guess I wasn't. I know when I first started, uh, you know, I didn't know about healing growing up, um, you know, concerning like uh, healing by faith. When I first started learning about it, I would pray and uh, man, every symptom would, would leave my body for about 30 seconds. And then every symptom would come back. And I thought, I guess it doesn't work. Or that must have been a fluke. Even though, like, as I look back, like, you know, my nose would be like running and dripping and just like clear, done. Well, Dad Hagen used to say people, more people lose their healing to a counterattack than anything else. What does that mean? Well, the principle of the Word is uh, that Jesus taught us was when, the, when a, a spirit has gone out of a place, he walks through dry places seeking rest and doesn't find it. He says, I'm going to go back into the house where I came out of. Why? Well, I kind of equate it like uh, they're in dry places. So they're thirsty and they're hungry and they want to go back. Does that mean every sickness is a spirit? No, the Bible does not teach that. But some, some sicknesses are spirits. You, you deal with them differently. Um, but the principle of how the enemy works is when he has, uh, has to leave a place, he wants to try to come back. 
and he's going to check and see, can I come back? So like my example, you know, like 30 seconds later, you know, he came back and then I accepted him. Why? Well, because I wasn't responding uh, on the word anymore. I was more conscious of my feelings. So the spark that I had on the inside of me, that witness of the Spirit, like, yes, this is right. I didn't hold on to that like a bulldog on a bone. Because my mind was not sufficiently renewed with the Word of God. So I had more, I had, I had, uh, what, that would have been like 22 years. So I had like 22 years worth of experience that my reasoning allowed to go higher than what the Word of God said. So at that point I knew enough that Jesus is the healer and I knew that He would heal people today. But I wasn't solid on will He heal me today right here right now. Right? So many people miss out on uh, what the Lord has for them in their life because they initially uh, rejoice and respond to what the Lord says, but then like Jesus said in the parable of the sower, uh, when trouble starts to come back, uh, you know, they didn't have much depth. They didn't have much root. So, you know, they got squished out by the weeds. Remember the parable of the sower? And so, you want to learn to instantly respond uh, to the Holy Spirit speaking to you witnessing to your spirit, and then you go after that, and you, you, you fan that. How do you fan that? Well, through your confession of the Word of God. So you say, this is what I believe. And um, what happens when you confess is, you, the substance of your faith, you touch the substance of your faith when you confess. So, like, like um, uh, Oh, if I'm resisting temptation, and uh, my favorite verse for that currently is, uh, uh, I esteem your word above all else to be true, and I hate every false way. So if I say, I, that's a false way, and I hate every false way. Well, see, when I say that, I'm saying that, I'm not saying that from here. I could say it from here as well. I'm actually saying it from my spirit. Like, I hate every false way. That's from my heart. In other words, I mean it from the depths of my being. And when I say that, I don't know. It makes me, it affects my natural body. So that if I, if I want to say that I hate every false way, I can't hardly say it bending over like this. It literally, it makes my body want to react to what's happening in my spirit by standing up a little taller. And now, when I say that, it's, uh, how it happens in my life is it's like I've come up to a certain level and now I've got more boldness and more boldness. And so some of you know that experience I had where I was attacked in my uh, bedroom a couple years ago, and um, you know, uh, all of a sudden came, something came in my chest and I couldn't hardly breathe, and um, it was horrible. And so I asked my wife Melody to come pray uh, for me because I was like, "What is going on?" And I couldn't. I kept coughing, and it was just a mess. Just like it, like dropped on me like that. And um, so she prayed for me, and uh, you know, I didn't see a spirit, but it was as if I could see this spirit that just like kept his hand in my chest and went underneath my back and smirked. And I was like, it's like, it would be like I was on a, a ship on the ocean and I could see out the window of the ship and I saw that the ship was sinking and I couldn't get out of the window. 
And so I'm like, you are, <laughs> you are sinking, 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 and you can't get out. And so all these thoughts are like rushing through my head, like what's going to happen? What, what do I do? And um, so I am looking then for this. I'm looking for that spark or that witness. I'm looking for my, Brother Hagin would say, my spiritual antenna. I looked at with, put up my spiritual antenna. I'm looking from my heart. What's the Lord saying? Because, I, you know, I'm feeling like I'm drowning, uh, literally, because I felt like my chest was filling with fluid and stuff. I'm like, what is going on? So uh, I'm like, Lord. And Melody had left the room. And all I could just visualize is this smirking creature. And I'm like, what is going on? And when I looked in there, I didn't have like John 3.16 says, or 1 Peter 2.24 says. It was just this real subtle, like a, a bubble coming up from the bottom, you know, if you're underwater, how bubbles kind of come up. Like a bubble coming up, real um, still, very calm, and it says uh, this, this. And so I just spoke it out as a whisper, because I didn't have a lot of strength. I said, I am not under the dominion of the kingdom of the authority of darkness. I am under the dominion of the kingdom of the authority of the Son of His love. And when I said that, like it, that fr came from my spirit. And when I said it out loud, what the Lord had put in my spirit, that was my confession of faith. Because God spoke it to me, witnessed it in my spirit. Uh, but really, I wasn't even fully conscious of what it was until as I was saying it, I, I got the fullness of it. Like before I said it, I just had like the, the general sense of it was something like this. So I was like, I literally said it like, I am not under the dominion of the authority of the kingdom of darkness. I am under the dominion of the kingdom of the authority of the son of his love. And then I said, oh, I am not under the dominion of the kingdom of the authority of darkness. I am under the dominion of the kingdom of the authority of the son of his love. And I said it for 10 minutes straight until I was in louder and louder each time. So the reason I told that was I received more strength every time I confessed it. It's like, it'd be like, I don't know if you're a sports person, if you golf or you play tennis or, um, you know, just different things where you hit a sweet spot. It's like, oh, I hit the sweet spot. And, and uh, I'm going to hit that again. So I hit it again. And I hit it again. And I hit it again. Or, you know, if you're trying to like, um, you know, I'm doing a lot of yard work, so if I'm trying to take a stump out and all of a sudden I hit this spot and I notice like it's starting to move, well then I'm going to hit that same spot. So what registered on my spirit, I continued to do it and I got stronger and stronger until 10 minutes later that thing left and every symptom left and I was completely restored. But it was not only through, you know, uh, was, it, um, was it Peter who saw that they had faith to be healed? And he said, get up, stand up. He perceived, he said, so the Bible says, he, he perceived that they had faith to be healed. What does that mean? Well, they had faith, but they had not released it or confessed it. So, and he saw it. So he said, stand upright on your feet. So faith always has action. Faith without works is dead. So faith always has an action. So that person did not know what to do, even though they had faith to be healed. And so he told him, here's what you do, you act on your faith. He said, I see your faith, stand up. I said, oh, stand up. He was healed. And um, so, uh, if you are a believer, you are his sheep, and you know his voice. 
but you access that from your heart by faith. Not because your head reasons that it's so, or not because it feels like it, because you believe it. And so you act from your belief that's in your innermost being. And so uh, where this is going is, if you do not humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He can't pick you up like that. Because He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And so if you come and you're like, you know, I am God's faith man or woman. I am, you know, God's anointed and He's counting on me. Now understand how I say this. As a believer, if you are a believer, you're a man or a woman of faith. But the faith is of God, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Lest anybody should boast, like, you know, hey, I'm better than you. No. It, same faith from the same God. And so, uh, you have faith in a great God, or you have great faith in your God, but you are not like, you know, it's not of you, it's of Him. Faith is a gift of God. Faith is awakened or faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God or the Word of God. So whenever God speaks, faith is present. And He primarily speaks through His Word. So if you want to hear God speak, where do you go? Like if you have a situation you want to pray about, you find it in the Word. And when you read the Word, you listen with your heart, with your spirit. Heart is your spirit, the center of your being. The world has a different definition for heart many times. I'm talking about your spirit. And sometimes the world will say, follow your heart. And most of the time that I've heard them say that, they're not talking about your spirit. They're actually talking about your feelings. So we're not talking about your feelings. Feelings come and feelings go. Generally what happens is you confess the Word and you act on the Word, and it's contrary to your feelings, but your feelings will then line up. But if you wait for your feelings until you feel like what God said is true, well, you might die waiting. Because it's not about feelings. God is not a feeling. Uh, but He, you know, when you, when you receive the substance, you know, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, so you receive the substance of what you hope for, it will affect your feelings, let me tell you. But you can't wait until your feelings, you know, um, Kenneth Hagin, you know, he had three incurable diseases, was paralyzed from the waist down and partially paralyzed at different moments, you know, up higher above his waist. And he, you know, he, he said, I would pray and pray. And he said, man, you would just sense the tangible presence of God. I'd get into the presence of God and say, okay, I know the Lord heard me. I know he loves me. And he said, then I'd feel my leg, feel for my legs. He said, and then I couldn't feel anything, and I would start crying and crying. Why? Because he is waiting until he feels it, and then he's going to believe God did something for him. So he was raised up from, you know, uh, being paralyzed and having those diseases by believing Mark eleven twenty three and 24. You know, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And so he said, I desired a well body. I desired that more than I desired to go to heaven. 
You know, he's out just 16 years old. And he's like, you know, and once I, he got born again, he's like, you know, I was happy to go to heaven. But he's like, Lord, if I go to heaven now, I'm going to, you know, die having not really ever lived. He said, so to be honest with you, I wanted to, I wanted to be healed more than I wanted to go to heaven. And um, so, uh, but he didn't realize, uh, you know, uh, when, when he was reading that scripture, uh, reason came in by uh, something that somebody else had said. Uh, and he said, uh, the light went out. So revelation came, the Lord was working with him, but he didn't honor the things of God. He honored what other people said and the thoughts that he had, which is like, well, then I would be healed. If it was the will of God, I would be healed. And um, so then for, I think it was three to six months, he said the light was out. And then, um, you know, he, he, he still had this in his spirit. It's in Mark 11, 23 and 24. He said, I must have read that like a thousand times. Why? Why do you, why do you have to do that sometimes? Well, normally because you've been religiously brainwashed. In other words, religion has said, uh, the Lord is trying to teach you something through this sickness or this disease. Or religion has said, if it's the will of God, then you just would be healed. Right? But that's not what the Bible says. And so uh, then he continued to confess that. And as he confessed that, light came again. He said, oh, I see. I have to believe that I have received it before I actually have it in my body. Because he was waiting until he had it, and then he was going to say, I've got it. But he said, I have to believe that I receive now. And that's why I like A.B. Simpson's testimony, because he, um, you know, he was pretty sick with heart problems and could hardly function and minister. And so he studied the word for two weeks concerning healing. And he said, I saw that healing was as much a part of the plan of redemption as salvation for your spirit. He said soul, but he meant spirit, you know. And um, he said, now as I have come to see this, I take Jesus as my healer for my body, just like I took him as the savior of my soul. And he said, at that moment, whether I felt any different in my body, I don't know. I know I didn't care because I knew he had it in his hand. That is called, he believed that he received when he prayed. And then when he's climbing that mountain with those other ministers on the way up, you know, the devil told him and his uh, reasoning told him, you're going to die because you got this heart problem. And now you're, he's like not got enough air as he's climbing and everything. He said, no, he said, I knew, I knew he had it. And so he just kept climbing. By the time he got to the top, every symptom had disappeared and he never had another problem. Well, I shouldn't say the, 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 the devil came back, the thought came back and tried to say, well, yeah, you did fine, but you're not going to have that. He said, oh, no. He said, I'm not entertaining that. And then he lived a full life, you know, full of energy. Actually, you know, uh, he, 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 I think he would work like 18 hours a day. And he said, I felt like I didn't even need to go to bed. I'll just start, start right up for the next day. That's what you call healed. That's the life of God manifest in your flesh. So, um, humility holds in its keeping the very life of prayer. 
Humility holds in its keeping the very life of prayer. Neither pride or vanity can pray. So you can mouth words, and you can call it prayer, and other people can call it prayer. Uh, but humility uh, holds the very life of prayer. So humility is, is, is um, you know, faith is humility. Because why? Well, I'm not looking to myself. I'm looking to God. I'm not looking to you. I'm looking to God. I'm not looking to somebody else. I'm looking to God. Well, that takes, to not look to yourself, that takes humility. And so, um, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He said, prayer has no beginning and no ending without humility. And so, uh, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And the, the, my favorite example from Jesus is the publican and the Pharisee. When they come, and the publican comes, well, let, let's look at that real quick. Yeah, we have time. Um, in Luke uh, chapter 18. And, and he spoke this parable unto the certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men up, uh, went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus, that's my favorite, I love how King James says this. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. So he's not praying with God, he actually prayed with himself. God, I thank you, you that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. <laughs> so you know he didn't have his eyes closed when he's praying, but the Bible did say watch and pray. So he's like, you know, I'm not like all these other people. They're doing all this stuff. They're so horrible. Even that guy right there. <laughs> I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased or humbled, and he that humbles himself will be exalted." And so, you know, when you're born again, once you've been born again, you are not a sinner. You are a saint of God. But it doesn't mean that you still don't occasionally sin. That's why you have 1 John 1, 9, if we sin. It didn't say when we sin, it says if we sin. There's kind of an assumption there that you won't be uh, living a sinful lifestyle any longer. Because you have the life source within, within you, you have holiness within you, you have righteousness within you, and you become the righteousness of God in Christ. But the principle of what the publican did is, is the perfect access to the presence of God, which is, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. In other words, he is not looking to his accomplishments to get him right with God or into the presence of God. He's looking to, what did he say? Be what? 
merciful to me. Uh, it's the, you know, Romans 3 talks about the propitiation for our sins or the mercy seat for our sins, that Jesus is the mercy seat. And, uh, you know, we come by the blood into the very presence of God. Well, if you're coming by the blood, uh, by definition, you're humbling yourself. So, the one that came, the Pharisee that tried to come, and he prayed thus and with himself, he did not connect with God. He did not go away justified. He did not make a connection with the Lord. And, um, you know, he is saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. So, when I come to the presence of the Lord, I am so thankful that He would meet with me. And so I stir up that consciousness in my own heart that whether, whether I have done something that I think is just stupid, you know, a stupid mistake, but especially if I start to feel like, well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm saying, okay, Lord, uh, I, had, I had to learn this, this I call it a skill, that, and it's really an act of faith, that every time I go to meet with God, that I am coming out of my spirit, and I am coming because of everything that Jesus it has done and everything that He is. In other words, my focus is on Jesus Christ. My focus is not on me. My focus is on my connection with Him. Like that, yes, I am thankful that I am your son, but not of myself. I am your son because your son gave his life to bring me into your family because you so loved the world and I was part of the world. And so, uh, you know, I stir that up within my spirit, that consciousness, my heart, that I'm saying, Father God, thank you. Thank you that I can come and I can talk to you and I don't even have to use like formal words. I don't have to have like um, a human protocol. There is a heavenly protocol and that includes humility and the blood of Jesus. Right? In other words, you know, enter into his gates with thanksgiving into his course with praise, be thankful and bless his name. What are, what are you doing? Well, what do you do when you give thanks and you praise? I'm working with uh, my children on this. <laughs> so like, uh, uh, just today, uh, one of my children did something for one of my other children. And um, so the one that it was done for, child A, I said, I said to child A, <laughs> well, because you know, Sometimes ministers, you tell all the stories on your kids and they don't like you. <laughs> and, and I don't want to embarrass my own children. Yeah. I walk in love with my own children. So I said to child A who I was talking with, I was talking with child A and child B did something, uh, got, got all the soccer stuff, because they had soccer today, got all the soccer stuff for child A and put it in the van and got it all ready to go. So child A did not have to do it. So I said to child A, I said, child A, I said, isn't that nice that child B did this for you? And they were like, well, yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, well, it's, it's pretty nice that you didn't have to go do that. 
you should go tell them thank you. And child A said, do I have to? <laughs> and I said, yes, you have to. I said, you know how we've been talking about pride? I said, that is pride to not tell someone thank you. Because you actually, you, you actually have to come under someone when you say thank you. So let me, let me amplify that for just a second. Pride shuts itself, this is, William Barclay said this, and I, I just love this. He said, pride shuts itself off from God for three reasons. Number one, it does not know its own need. So think about this. Uh, uh, a pastor preaches in Michigan. I like how he says it. He says, if you have a lack of prayer in your life, it's a sign of pride. That means like, I don't really need the Lord. I can live without Him. Well, I would also, I might also add, it's a sign of ignorance. <laughs> so it can be pride. It can be say like, well, I'm doing pretty good. I don't need help. But sometimes people just don't know. Or they have never actually um, entered the presence of God when they pray. Because if you ever get in the presence of God when you pray, you will be so hungry and so thirsty to go back. You know, you, you, there is so much substance in the presence of God that you always go away full and you always go away with more than what you came with. Actually, except for you leave your cares, you leave your worries, you leave your fretting, and you are just like changed. It's like from glory to glory, you, you, you enter the glory of the Lord and there is a, subs a substance of change that affects your life forever. And so, um, I'm saying this not from like somebody else that I read about. I am telling you from personal experience, when you, if you ever get into the presence of God, you will be forever changed and it will mark you and you will never be satisfied with second best. So uh, I feel like because it's coming up in my spirit right now, I have to like declare this to you. Like there is something called the presence of God and it is very real. And you actually get into the presence of God and you become more aware of him, who he is and what he says than the world around you. And you don't have to be some super spiritual person to do this. I was in a, I had gotten, well, I don't, I think I was, I don't recall it. It was right when I was filled with the spirit. So I think I had been filled with the Spirit at this point. But we had a, I was in a Southern Baptist church and uh, we had, a, they were building a new building. We were building a new building. And so uh, while the building's being built, uh, they, uh, we had signups and people would read the Word of God like th through the whole building process aloud in the auditorium. And then once we got closer, we had all night prayer. So people would sign up and then, you know, somebody take this hour, this hour, this hour, this hour. Well, so there was a guy that came. He was not even filled with the Spirit, but he was born again. And I remember because uh, the pastor asked me, uh, I was still in the military then, he asked me if I would do, you know, stay there all night long and be security. And so I said, sure. And so I got to see different people as they came. And so this guy came and uh, he didn't pray for an hour. He prayed for an hour and a half. And when he finished praying, he came to me and he said, huh, huh, that has never happened to me in my entire life. I said, what? And he said, 
I thought I was praying for maybe five or 10 minutes. And I thought when I signed up, how am I ever gonna pray for an hour? I have never prayed for an hour in my life. He said, but I've been praying for like an hour and 34 minutes. Well, that's called getting in the spirit. And in the spirit, there is no time. So he got more conscious of the spirit realm than the natural realm. So he was not aware of time. And he wouldn't even fill with the spirit. Well, a lot of times people maybe have a few experiences like that in their life, but it's supposed to be the lifestyle of the believer. That your source of strength and help and stability and direction and peace is actually comes from the very presence of God. You're to pray without ceasing. But let me tell you, when you actually have those times when you pull away from everything else, turn everything off, and you humble yourself, say, okay, Lord, I know I have a really busy schedule. I know I got lots of things I want to do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just humble myself and put all that stuff aside. I want to be with you. Man, that infuses you with something that lasts and lasts and lasts. And that actually will be the um, impetus or the, 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 uh, the fire that's lit inside of you to pray without ceasing. So in other words, uh, uh, Kenneth Hagin would say like, he prayed until he hit a gusher. So he prayed until he hit a gusher. Well, you pray like that on a consistent basis and you're just going from glory to glory. And then you do pray without ceasing because why? There's something about the presence of God, and you can actually experience this also in a, in a gathering of believers uh, at different times, but that that presence, you carry that with you wherever you go. Like I, I many times am conscious of it. It's a tangible substance in my spirit. I, 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 it, it's like I could touch it, but I can't touch it with my hands, but as good as touching it with my hands. And so I'll, I'll carry that around with me. Well, when you carry something like that around with you, then when you um, uh, go throughout your day, you are constantly conscious of His presence. So you are praying constantly. You're like, Lord, what about this? Or you see that person? You know, I think I said uh, at last uh, month's prayer meeting, I said, pray first. Like the first thing, you got to train yourself that the first thing you do is pray. Paul told Timothy, pray first. He went and said a lot of other things. But first thing you ought to do is pray. You know, he's saying, pray for all men and for those in authority. All men, all mankind. Uh, but first thing, pray. So if your first reaction is not to pray, you need to humble yourself. And you need to get some understanding and some knowledge of the power of God through prayer. John Wesley said, it seems that God does nothing uh, in the earth unless someone first asks Him. That He has tied Himself irrevocably to the cooperation of mankind. As He said, I sought for a man who would stand in the gap, make up the hedge. Right? Uh, Put watchmen on, the, on your walls, O Jerusalem. That they're, they're watching in prayer. In other words, you, you, you uh, come in contact I know that I don't have the light concerning the power and the presence of God through prayer, and prayer is always only successful through His Word if it's based on His Word. So we're talking about the Word and, and entering to the presence of the Lord, you know, the Word and the Spirit. But because if we 
had the correct consciousness of this, you could not be kept out of the presence of God. And when I say that, literally, the creator of everything that is in existence wants to meet with you. He wants to, and he doesn't just want to say, okay, we're going to have a 21 part lesson today and I hope that you remember all of it. There's going to be a pop quiz. <laughs> he actually wants to spend time with you because he likes who you are. He created you. Like if you have children, you might understand that. If you don't have children, uh, think of like nieces, nephews, other people. Like that you're like, hey, I, call, call your niece, nephew up or your children. Make, a, make an, appointment, an appointment, like a date with them, a time with them. <laughs> You know, and say like, Daddy just wants to spend some time with you. I just want to be with you. I, that's how he is. That's how he looks at us. Yet we don't take advantage of, the, of what he paid the price for us to experience him. Which is, you know, the life of his son was given up for every one of us to come and to spend time with God. And when you spend time with Him, you are forever changed. Yeah, when you're born again, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you know, you get into the presence of God and things that were out of order and look like chaos become clear. You might not know every, like when, for, for myself, I can just speak for myself. I, I don't know every, you know, detail, every dotted I and cross T of every little thing that needs to be done. But instead of all of those things that try to overwhelm and grab your attention and take your focus, they lose their, their, their power. I like Isaiah said uh, in Amplified uh, Translation, even concerning evil things of the past, they're like powerless ghosts. So you see like the form and the shape, but they lose their power. Why? Well, because you're trying to do it on your own, and these, 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 uh, these things are real in the realm of the, uh, of, the, of the senses and the realm of time. And they will try to pull you and affect you. And this, I didn't believe, I didn't know this was going to go this way, but this, this is vital. I love your name. <laughs> Vitali. Vital is like, it is a flow of life. Well, this is vital to living in the world in these last days that we are living in. Because, why? There are many voices in the world and none of them are without significance. Those voices will affect you if you do not get in the presence of the Lord through His Word and through prayer and put those things where they belong, which is under the feet of the believer. And they're under the feet of the believer because the believer is seated with Christ in heavenly places far above. What? principality, power, rulers of the darkness of this world. Read the book of Daniel. Daniel talks about all these rulers, 
you know, uh, the, the, the President of the United States, the Prime Minister of every other country, the Presidents, the Kings, uh, the Queens, uh, all the rulers, uh, some of them may be so full of pride that they think like they're just doing their own thing, but they are influenced by the rulers of darkness, or they're influenced by the church praying and making tremendous power available. So in many ways, they are puppets. And so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so, you know, you don't want to wrestle with them in your own power or your own strength. You want to humble, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will lift you up. Pride shuts itself off from God for these three reasons. It doesn't know its own need, number one. It so admires itself that it recognizes no need to be supplied. I don't need anything. You see this in the life of the male human many times. Do you need help to carry that? No. I can do it myself. Well, that really is pride. I can say it because I've said that before. Okay, so I'll just pick on the males. Women never do anything. <laughs> Number two, it cherishes its own independence. It will be indebted or obligated to no one, not even to God. You know, this is how pride shuts itself, or why pride shuts itself off from God. It cherishes its own independence. Well, what is that? I think I might have mentioned this Sunday, but sometimes you have a certain person who, uh, you know, rubs your fur backwards. And so you're like, you don't really want to pray for them because you want your own independence because, you know, if you've walked with the Lord long enough, you know He's not going to put up with that attitude. So you might like put off praying about it because if you pray, if when you pray, you pray according to the Word, you get in the presence of the Lord. You get in the presence of the Lord, that stuff can't be there with you there. That's like pride. And it can turn to hate real quick. Well, God is love. So you're entering the presence of God, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, by the blood of Jesus. So if you're coming by the blood of Jesus, how are you going to carry through the blood of Jesus? Uh, disdain for another person. The blood of Jesus does not permit that. Because the blood of Jesus was shed for them just like it's shed for you. So, you coming by the blood, you know, you, you can't carry that stuff. The second you, you, you come in there, you're going to have, you'll have a knowing that's not right. And if you don't deal with that, don't expect communion with the Lord. Uh, you know, a great example is where Peter talked about, you know, husbands, how you treat your wife. He said, you need to treat your wife with honor that your prayers be not hindered. What does that mean? That means if you don't treat your wife right and don't think wives, but that's just husbands to wives, that's wives to husbands, and that's like, you know, that's kind of like a universal thing. If I don't treat my wife right, my prayers will be hindered. 
So if you're not getting into the presence of the Lord, uh, there is a reason why. And normally it has its root in pride. Some form or some manifestation. It could just be like, you know, I, have my, I can do my own thing. I just do what I want to do, you know. Um, or number three, he said, it rec- does not recognize its own sin. It is occupied with thinking of its own goodness and never realizes that it has any sin from which it needs to be saved. A pride like that cannot receive help because, and, and here's the thing, it does not know it needs help. This is what I'm talking about by coming by the blood. I'm not saying we're sinners. What I'm saying is, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And so, it does not recognize that it needs help. Well, in other words, I kind of have it all together, and I've got it figured out. And, you know, um, Jesus appeared to, uh, Brother Hagin had a vision of Jesus in 1987, and he talked to him about uh, uh, plans, purposes, and pursuits of mankind. And he said, uh, you know, most people uh, are not seeking me for my plan. They're coming up with their own plan, and they're asking me to bless it. And Jesus said, I will bless them as far as I can. He said, but I can't put my full blessing and my full approval on it because it's not my plan, it's man's plan. And then Jesus said, the reason that you're not actually seeing the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit and signs, wonders, and miracles is because uh, man is not taking time to seek me or follow my plan that is in the Scriptures. Well, that takes humility. Why? Well, man, if you, if you come up with the idea... You're like, this is pretty awesome. If, if you came up with it, you obviously think it's a good idea. <laughs> this is a great idea. Being, I've been on staff at ministries for so many years, it's kind of funny because it's like the greatest stumbling stone, the most common stumbling stone I see for people on full-time staff at ministries is uh, uh, they'll come up with an idea, and you're a believer, so you have heart towards the Lord, you're serving in a ministry, and... Um, you know, of course, you believe that your idea is the God idea for the whole ministry. But sometimes it may not be what's in uh, part of the vision of that ministry, or it may not be the right time. And man, people get offended so easy because it was their idea. In ministry, whether paid or unpaid, really uh, the key is, and whether your position, like I'm the pastor of the church, I serve in that office. But I am just like I recommend all of you. I am here to serve. But Jesus said, like, hey, if you want to leave, you got to lead, not leave. If you want to lead, you got to be uh, him, him that serves. Well, I have found one of the greatest keys to, to successfully and satis- to have satisfaction in serving in the kingdom of God is to have a heart to serve. In other words, whatever's needed, that's what I'll do. I'm here to serve. I have no other agenda, but I'm here to serve. In fact, the Lord had to deal with me to be a pastor because I said, like, I, I, I'm a good second, what I call a second. So I would organize stuff, put it together, make sure all this type of stuff. And, uh, but the Lord was dealing with me to pastor, uh, be a lead pastor, senior pastor, whatever you want to call it. And um, uh, so I was praying about it and maybe trying to talk the Lord out of it. And so uh, I said, well, Lord, I said, you know, I, I'm a second. I'm a really good second. 
And he spoke to my spirit, just clear. He said, he said, that's all I want you to be. And it was so clear and it came with such peace. I said, oh, really? Thank you, that's awesome. He said, and I think he has a sense of humor. He says in the heavens and laughs. He said, yeah. He said, I just want you to be my second. He said, you seek me and find out what my plan is for the church, how I want you to plan it, what I want you to minister on, and then you go do that. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, okay. You do know more than me. You tricked me. Uh, the Lord's perspective is so awesome. And um, T.L. Osborne said, I'm not really impressed at your faith in God, I'm impressed at His faith in you. I'm not impressed with your love for God, I'm impressed with His love for you. And so, if you are more impressed with your faith in God, or your love for God, you have not seen Him. You, you, you're just so on the fringes, you're not even aware. Faith itself is a miracle from God to mankind. He's given to every man the measure of faith. So faith is supernatural. And you enter into it by receiving His words in your heart. And then you have this stability that no matter what comes, it will stand because His Word will never, ever fail. Can we sing that song? You have, you have it? Stand? What's that? The, the standing song, what's it called? Um, the one you were telling me about before uh, the service? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, this song, we sang it on Sunday, and it's, it's, kinda, it's a confession uh, for the believer. But this was, uh, the Lord gave this song to um, Pastor Trina Hankins' brother, and he pastors a church in Austin, Texas. And so I want us, I want us to sing this song, and then I'll pray. And um, it's 834, so if you have to go, you can go, but we'll, we're going to finish out doing this and pray.
I love that song. I love that confession. Strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So like uh, the message of Christ is so freeing because you don't have to be strong in yourself. You're strong in the Lord. Uh, you know, our labor is a labor to enter into rest and it is the rest of faith. God created the, <laughs> the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in them uh, in six days and then He rested on the seventh day. And then uh, Christ is our seventh day rest. So when we, when we trust Him with our lives, with faith is trusting Him with everything that we are and everything that we have, relying on Him. That, you know, Jesus said, have faith in God or lay hold of the faithfulness of God. When you just rely on Him, uh, it takes away all the pressure. It takes away all of the failure and all of the weakness that you don't even have to come up with uh, what to do next. Because you, what? You ask Him, what do I do next? You don't even have to know what to say in that hour because the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you say what He says. He'll show you things to come. He'll open up uh, divine secrets and mysteries. You can pray in other tongues. You get utterance from the Lord. I was telling my wife on the way over here, I said, isn't it interesting? I said, sometimes people resist to pray in other tongues. It's really a sign of pride and not humility. Why? Well, I want to know what I'm saying. Uh, I, I want it to like, I want to hear what God's saying to me. Well, I, I like to hear that too. If you pray that praise in tongue, you ought to pray you can interpret, that you would interpret. And you'll interpret more than what you might, you'd be surprised. But it, it, it's an act of humility to yield your tongue to the supernatural power of God. You have a miracle in your mouth that you can yield to at any moment when you're filled with the Spirit. That is supernatural. I have analyzed it. <laughs> and it is, <laughs> with my limited abilities, I'm not gonna be full of pride here, I'm just saying like, <laughs> to, set, to my satisfaction, I analyzed it. And when I was first filled with the Spirit, I'd pray in other tongues. I'd be like, so go and then I'd be like, did I just come up with those? Did I, did I make those? And I did this for like a couple hours and I did it multiple times. And I was like, no, that is not from me. I am not coming up with that. It is from God. I don't know this language. I, you know, but as I yield my spirit to him, then it comes. So let's, let's close out in prayer. Um, Darlene, I know you had a prayer request. I'll pray for that. Anybody else have anything you'd like us to pray for uh, as we go? As we go? Just, yes. So um, we're looking for a house, and um, there's one we're considering. It's a ton of work, and we don't know if we should do it. <laughs> yeah, you need to hear from God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, anybody else? We sold our house. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's good, huh? In a week. God is good. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? All right. So, 
Philippians chapter 4, uh, you, you know, you cast all of your cares upon Him because He cares for you. And He cares about you. And uh, having those, letting those worries, um, carrying those worries around with you is, um, is a sign of pride. That you just don't want to carry those worries. And, um, you know, if your personality is anywhere similar to mine, then your personality wants to carry, the, apart from Christ, wants to carry those worries because you, you feel more secure in your knowledge of the details of the situation. Right? So the, the more details you have, the more secure you feel. Well, it's okay to have the details as long as God has you first and you have given it to Him first. Right? So you don't ever want to like let the details dominate the situation because I have done that before and then I carried those, tried, endeavored to carry those into the presence of the Lord, but I didn't carry them with an open hand, I carried them with a closed hand. So I walked out with the same thing I walked in with and I didn't really make contact. Like you know, like if I gave Eddie my keys, which I don't have them, Melody has them. <laughs> if, I, if I gave you my AirPods, I would know that he took my AirPods. Like this little, uh, what do you call it? Dental floss case? <laughs> so, if I gave this to Eddie and he took it, I would know that I didn't have it and he had it. But sometimes I've gone with worries and instead of coming to the Lord like this, I actually came to the Lord like this. Well, maybe more a little bit open, but you still can't get it out. And the Lord's not going to force you. So I'm like, okay, Lord, here's my worries. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel them shaking, I feel them shaking. Well, you have to you humble yourself and say, Lord, you know, understand please how I'm saying this. Uh, I do nothing and I know nothing. Do you understand? Like, like in other words, I have tried to do this and I, I don't know why I keep trying to do the same thing and obviously it's not working. <laughs> I don't know why I do that, it's just my flesh. So here, I, I, I'm coming and I'm just, I'm laying it down at your feet. And I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to leave it at your feet. I'm not going to tie a little string to it and pull it back. I'm going to leave it at your feet. So let's do that. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We come to you in his precious name. Thank you. Thank you for your love that you have shown to us through him, through his life, that, you, that he poured out his life for us that you set your love upon us by giving him to us. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We come right now before your very throne into your presence by his blood. Thank you for the blood. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the consciousness of your presence and of your glory. We thank you for your will towards us and in us and to us. Father, thank you for your plans. Oh, that before time began, you planned for us. You planned about us. That your son, that he was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for, for creating us and giving us breath to breathe and a life to live. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you. You are good. You are merciful. 
You are patient. You are full of power. You are full of majesty. You are holy and you are just and you are righteous in all of your ways and every way that you deal with us, every way that you speak to us. Father, I pray for every person that's here right now and under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that you would give unto every one of us knowledge of your will, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you intimately and in our inward man. Father, that we would be forever changed, that we'll never be the same again. Father, that one word from you, it gives us life that sustains and gives us light that directs our path, that opens up your will and your plan and your purpose to us. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, basiro parali mishuto sizabara vesho garabahale dusto ho bresis. Thank you for utterance in other tongues. Oh, semalo bonde visho da selago nemiko samahala vando seragisto. Adesto roboso redisto galaganso rebestu. Oh, we choose life, Father. Oh, we choose life. Asiko ho semara vini isto ho rebane. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we just, every one of us, we just cast all of our cares over on you. Oh, Father, forgive us for carrying things that we shouldn't carry, that we're not created to carry. Thank you that you asked us and that you care for us, that you want to take the cares away. Father, we just give you every care of every detail of everything that's going on in each of our lives right now. Hallelujah. We ask, oh, you said, let anyone that lacks wisdom ask you for wisdom. So, Father, we ask for wisdom for David and Caliche right now concerning uh, this property, this house. Father, that you will make clear to them the right thing to do. Father, that they will cut through by your word the emotions and the thoughts. Father, to have clarity of purpose from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for the inward witness that you lead and guide us, that we know your voice, that you, they know your voice. They are your children, that you guide them in the way that they should go, that their steps are ordered of you, that they're always in the right place at the right time with the right people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Following you every step of the way. Thank you for your hand of provision and blessing upon them. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father, we just lift up Darlene's family and friends to you, Father. We ask for favor, Father, that as she speaks to them, Father, that you'll do something in their hearts. And Father, that they will respond to the leading of your spirit. Father, those that don't know you, they'll come to know you. Those that need a, a, a fresh touch and anointing from you, a tangible uh, consciousness of your presence, that they will receive that, Father, that they will respond to your spirit. Father, I thank you for anointing her mouth, that you give her words to speak in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Father, we just lift up our baptism service to you that you've laid on our hearts. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can follow your lead 
in identifying with who we are in Christ. The old man gone, the new man alive. Father, we thank you. I thank you for all of those that are, know that they're going to be baptized. And Father, those that aren't aware, I pray that you'd speak to their spirits even now. You'd draw them even now. And that the family and friends and acquaintances, Father, that you'll um, even use this to have your words spoken into their life. That your tangible presence, they can experience a touch of your presence. Father, we thank you that when we come together, you're here among us. And that, Father, we're conscious that you're here and that you change us, that we're changed from glory to glory, even by your Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, we thank you for your word, but we thank you that you gave us your spirit and he takes your word and makes it real in our lives, touchable in our lives, takes everything from you and everything from Christ and transmits it to us that through him and by him we have everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus that he brings us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for quickening us, even making our moral bodies to live and function properly by your spirit that you gave us. Oh, your plan is awesome. 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 Oh, Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, that you always give. You're such a giver. Oh, that you're the giver of life. Father, that you're doing something even in our spirits right now, in our lives right now, that we carry, we carry this, uh, this, this consciousness of your presence and this touch of your person with us as we go. Father, I thank you. I pray, Father, as each of us go tonight and tomorrow, even in the nighttime, Father, that you'll alert us and awaken us to spend time with you. Father, that we'll enter into a new dimension of your presence that we've not been to before. Father, that we'll be more aware and more conscious, that so much so that we will pray without ceasing. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for freeing us from all of the, all, carrying all the load of stuff that we can just bring it to you and let you have at it. Hallelujah. And do what only you could do. Hallelujah. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I apply that blood against the accuser of believers, the devil himself. We apply that blood on the doorpost of our life over everything that concerns us, over our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our affections. What gets our attention, what draws us, what, what we seek after, our desires. Father, I thank you for putting your desires in our hearts. Do we follow after you all the days of our life? Thank you that you're good and your mercy lasts forever. Hallelujah. Thank you that no matter what we're going through, no matter how difficult a challenge we think we are for you, that you have won the victory. We give our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen.